and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the Pack Heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 61, where today I have back in the hot seat, Laurie Joyce, who is the founder and CEO at Better With Ice Cream. Now, today's episode is very much focused on Laurie's current campaign underway with Front Funder. This is a uh, this is a great one for any of you who are currently on the fence or thinking about a, uh, a raising capital for your business, especially when it comes to a crowdfunding campaign. And this episode is specifically focused on an equity crowdfunding campaign. So yeah, lots of information for you in here. So get out your pencil, get out your pens, be prepared to take notes because yeah, Laurie digs right into it and goes into a lot of detail. Uh, before we do kick off into the show, like we do every week, I do want to mention our two show sponsors, Foodpack and Futurepreneur Canada. Now, Foodpack, you're all familiar with. I talk about it a lot. And it's the company that I work for here in Vancouver, and we do things very well when it comes to flexible packaging. A couple of things to note, we have got a warehousing program full of stock bags. Uh, you could think of them as a turnkey solution to get your business up and running or just to get product out into the world. Uh, we also have custom printed bags that we can get done for you as well. We can do MOQs as low as 2,500 pieces printed digital or 5,000 pieces printed rotogravure. And the world's your oyster when it comes to the volume that you can get uh, into your hands. Uh, as well as packaging, we also sell packaging equipment. So think thermoformers, tray sealers, vacuum chamber machines, band sealers, you name it. We've got a showroom floor full of the equipment so you can come on in with your product and do some shelf life testing by packaging it up here and then taking it to a lab. Uh, definitely a great option if you don't know exactly what you're after and you'd like to go through the process of refining it down with me. So if you'd like to learn more about how I can help you with your packaging or packaging equipment, shoot me an email at hayden at foodpack.ca or you can also give me a call on my work cell which is 604-360-6790. And next we have Futurepreneur Canada. Now the key function that Futurepreneur plays is with financing and mentoring, where you can access up to $60,000 in finance, which comes paired with an expert business mentor for up to two years. But prior to this though, Futurepreneur also has a lot of other great online resources that you can access, like exploratory programs to help you develop your business idea and an interactive business plan writer to help you write a viable business plan and pre-launch coaching. So if you are aged between 18 and 39 and you're looking to start a business in Canada, head to futurepreneur.ca forward slash pack heavy and sign up now to connect with a Futurepreneur business development manager and learn how Futurepreneur can support you and your precious idea or startup business. Laurie, welcome to the show. Good morning. It's fun to be back. It is. There's no snow outside today. A lot of fog here in Vancouver. And uh, obviously, you and I chatted a couple of weeks ago, and, and we had an awesome conversation. It was a long one. We covered a lot of ground, and I thought I wanted to bring you back onto the show so that we could just dive into a little bit more detail on a couple more points. Love to. Awesome. Let's do it. So, Front Funder, you've got the campaign going. How's it all uh, progressing at the moment for you? You know what? This is actually a, um, a real topic that's uh, obviously we're going through it, but I think this 
if we could take five minutes in this podcast to really talk about it, because I think it's such a unique opportunity. Yeah. I'm in it. So I, I don't want to say I've become an expert, but I definitely feel so confident to talk about it today versus where I was when we were contemplating doing this. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's so top of mind for me right now that I have such insight and I think it could add a lot of value to your listeners. So yeah. I will start with this. Front Funder is a Canadian-based, actually Vancouver startup mm -hmm. that um, focuses on equity crowdfunding. It is not a new concept, but it's relatively uncommon in Canada. And thanks to digital technology, um, this is how we can do this. So, um, you know, th there are so many. I could I could probably name off five off the top of my yeah. of my head in the states. And the regulations in the U.S. have been a lot more flexible. Um, and accessible, but in June of 2021, there was a big change that happened, which really triggered my interest in doing equity crowdfunding. And that change was making equity crowdfunding accessible and democratizing it for all Canadians. Before that, it was only available to what's considered accredited or sophisticated investors, mm -hmm. you know, people that had a certain net worth or a certain income certain, um, you know, total of assets. But the fact that today equity crowdfunding is available to, let's say, our customers, our fans, our supporters made it incredibly interesting for me because not only is it a way to raise capital, it's also at a very effective marketing platform. And that's kind of the other 50% of why I'm doing this. And um, so we launched in well we actually were delayed initially i made sure we were delayed because when we were supposed to launch the end of november of 2021 we had the devastating floods yeah. in the lower mainland here which really impacted the industry that we're in the dairy industry these are farmers that i've met these are farms that i've toured um so i felt i would be very tone deaf if i ignored what was happening in my own backyard and, mm -hmm. and proceeded with this campaign. So in light of that, I was actually trying to create some awareness for what was happening in BC. And then we um, launched two weeks later, which ironically wasn't the right time either because it was like the week of Black Friday. And then yep. we all know it's Christmas after that, which is ultimately the biggest marketing event of the year. So for anyone that's considering crowdfunding, stay away from de December. Like just keep it focused on a different time of the year because, yep. you know, there's just so much information that's happening at that time and people mm -hmm. are really focused and distracted on family stuff. Um, it's just, it's not, you're not going to be able to hold people's attention. So um, also I should, you know, take a moment here and say that the Front Funder team is so incredible, absolutely dynamic, professional, well-trained um, their due diligence team is so thorough and cautious, and they take that very seriously because understand that their entire business is maintain attracting and maintaining investors mm -hmm. and building a trust so that they properly discerningly um, qualify businesses on their platform. Mm. So currently they have over 11,000 investors in, on that platform and in their network. Yep. And they 
they trust mm. the due diligence process that Front Funder has qualified businesses to be on there. Mm. So um, I've met the team, I've been in their office, I've shared better with ice cream with them mm-hmm. and and they really are fantastic. And they made the process for me as an entrepreneur who um, their strength, my strength is not raising capital, um, really comfortable and easy. And, and this is what I want to talk about. So if you have any listeners that are in the startup phase and they're bootstrapping and the entrepreneurs, I can tell you this very confidently. Um, equity crowdfunding is the future mm-hmm. in raising capital for a small business. Mm-hmm. Banks are just not available to us anymore like they used to be. And even though this is very, very new, it's an important thing to consider, especially if you as a founder um, really believe that you can take your company to the next level. And yeah. the number one reason why I did this. So, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be super frank with you because people ask me this all the time. They think I had a choice, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. in the stage that we're at, we, we didn't really have a choice. Yeah. So when I started better with, um, I was able to bring in cash, um, that I, you know, that I made from the show. Um, but as, but as I discovered very quickly in CPG, it's, and in frozen, it's really expensive. Um, we didn't have the margins. So I very quickly ran out of money, Mm -hmm. which very quickly impacted my personal credit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, essentially I had to move back in with my parents because I believe in this so much. I was willing to sacrifice that. And I still think it was, well, it was actually absolutely the right decision, Yeah, but I went through so many, I can't even count anymore, Mm -hmm. um, angel and VC meetings where um, they were offering me money for sure um, for at least 40% of the company. That's a lot to give away, isn't it? And better with does less than $500,000 in sales right now. Yeah. So we are very, very small. Mm -hmm. And for, for me to consider giving away 40% 40% of the company at this phase mm. um, makes me, that's, that's ultimately, that was the last meeting I had where I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to move back to the farm, mm-hmm. to my family um, and really stabilize this and grow it. And, um, and, and that was, that was really the first backer was, mm. was the family farm, which, which, which gave me a couple of years of, of stability and improving, improving the PNL because yeah. in CPG, which a lot of people and, and keep in mind, a lot of the investors that I was talking to didn't come from the space mm. and it's really, really hard to be profitable in this space. If you're scaling until yeah. you're at $750,000 in sales. Okay. Right. Right. That's yeah. just, that's just a reality. And, yeah. and you might not even be taking a draw at that point. Yeah. 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 Right. Like I haven't, I haven't received a salary. Since. You're just investing everything straight back into the business. Yeah. Yeah. Like, literally. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Um, so, so you have to, and, and, and a big part of that is CPG is volume based, mm-hmm. right? So it's yeah. going to take that volume of sales for you to have a gross margin. That's mm-hmm. actually going to give you something that you can, you know, fall back on. Yeah. So um, because the company is so small, 
And I, I don't necessarily need to see it to the end. Like I would welcome um, leadership and especially a CEO that was an operations like CPG expert mm-hmm. um, because I, I understand what my strengths are and my yeah. weaknesses, but it's still, it's still very, very early. Mm-hmm. And, and what, what has happened, and I've met so many people that have had this happen to sadly, is that when you give up so much equity so early, that's where you lose you're in threat of losing control. Yeah. And when you lose control, you lose your voice. Motivation. The, the you get yeah. I would think you yep. get decentivized. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I have a for me the whole you know, better with ice cream isn't just ice cream. Right? It's it's literally educating the consumer and inspiring them and hopefully influencing them to make and understand food security and understand why, how we can do better food, where we can get better food and why better food is important. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately what, what drives me every day. And that's my entire upbringing. And so the fact that I have 40 years, over 40 years experience of observing that because my parents taught me I think I add a lot of value and, you know, I've demonstrated focus and perseverance. And I think that in itself adds tremendous value to the company, mm. but it is not what happens in the VC space in mm-hmm. CPG. Right. And, um, you know, I think what makes us different as a CPG company is that there's heart. Yeah. You know, we are building honesty, we're building transparency, we're building accountability. And, and truthfully, those are things that haven't been the norm in the grocery space. Yeah, I hear. So front funder allows us to use a safe note, um, which stands for simple agreement for future equity, as an opportunity for anyone that has connected. I oh, I always encourage this. Like before, before you invest on the platform, try. I, I want you to try the product. Yeah. And if you can't find it, like if you're an investor in Ontario, and I did this last week, I'm going to ship you ice cream. Yeah. Because I, I really, I really want you to connect with the product before you invest in it. That's how important this is to me. I want mm. you to experience why this is a better product. And so, what Front Funder allows is for us to. And I'm going to be super frank with you. So my last opportunity was $500,000 for 40% of the company. Yeah. And they're, and they're doing this math simply by looking at our financials mm-hmm. today with the safe note that we're offering, we're, we hope to ultimately raise 500,000, the target's mm-hmm. 250, but we're willing to go up to 500,000. Yeah. And that dilution equivalent is 14%. Right. Yeah. You can't even compare it, can you? Yeah. That's, that's so, so in a matter of eight months, I was able to save, you know, what is that 30 or what is that 25% at least equity? Yeah. Yeah. I was able to leave that on the table. Yeah. Yeah. And um, because, because what founders also need to recognize in CPG is you're going to be raising money Mm -hmm. every year or every 15 months for a while. Yeah. Right. This is yeah. not this is not a one time thing. Mm-hmm. And so don't think about the equity today. Think about what it's going to what's going to happen in the in the second round or the third round. Yeah. And um, so. So Front Funder has allowed me to um, connect with 
connect with any Canadian that believes in the product, that loves what we're trying to do, sees that we're trying to do something better. Mm-hmm. And it's a risk, obviously, mm-hmm. take that risk. But for as little as $250, be part of be part of this opportunity and, and yeah. scale with us, which that's I think awesome. is really cool. It is cool. So thanks for sort of mapping it out for us from the start. I think that's a really good way to you know kick off the conversation. Now, when you met with the Front Funder team, it sounds like they were doing their due diligence on you. They do their due diligence on all of the businesses that they potentially want to onboard onto their platform. So what are they specifically looking for? Like, what kind of questions did they ask you? Um. Okay. So, I mean, they provide you with um, a data room where you need to upload all your, all your corporate information. Yeah. So they're looking, they are diligently looking through your business plan, your financials. They are, they do believe and understand to evaluate and focus on the future because they recognize that a lot of the businesses that are going on the platform are startup. Mm-hmm. But you have to be qualified still to be able to be on the platform. Yeah. Um, so there are there are definitely simple basic metrics mm-hmm. and and standards, um, and and then they and then they they want to see how you're going to do it. Mm. You know. And the most important thing, even though that they communicate very clearly to any investor that's going on their platform that this is a very big risk and you need to you know can you they literally ask you the question, can you survive without this money? Like in the worst case scenario, yeah. are you able to um, live and open. move on? Yeah. yeah. Are you able to lose this investment mm-hmm. in the worst case scenario? But they also want to make sure that what you're building right now has the potential to not only grow, but to go through an acquisition mm-hmm. or what does that extra strategy actually look like? Yeah. Um, they want you to be able to communicate and show that you have a clear exit strategy mm-hmm. within a reasonable timeline of let's say between roughly five to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be able to own that and, and demonstrate and communicate to their prospect investors on the platform that ultimately that's what you're choosing. That that's what your plan is. Yeah. Because the only reason ultimately why equity crowdfunding exists is to provide investment opportunity for people to mm. grow that investment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're not, they're not there to maintain that. And because it is such a high risk, they want a high reward. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I understand that very clearly. And, you know, that's also the tremendous opportunity with early stage businesses mm-hmm. is that if you, if you do connect with a product or a service or a company that's on the platform and it is in their early stage and you were the first person to really get behind them mm-hmm. and even on your own personal level within your own community, market that product and <laughs> share that product with your friends and family and help them grow from a marketing perspective. I believe you deserve the most mm. of that, you know, to reap that reward. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it, because it, what I've discovered in meeting these investor types, they're very uncomfortable and mostly unwilling to take on that risk for CPG companies that are less than a million dollars in sales. Right. That's the biggest excuse that I'm told on every single phone call is um, get back to us when you're at, at a minimum, a million in sales, but ideally 3 million in sales. And then we'd be interested in talking to you. Yeah. That's the metric they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, 
the a, a crowdfunding campaign isn't something that you just like take lightly like there's obviously a lot of background information and and you know homework and due diligence that you have to do to even put yourself in a position to be able to engage with a business like front funder or a platform like front funder did you have a team of people around you that helped you you know sh- sh- um, sort through everything or you know what who were the key players in getting the program program up and running for you or with you oh uh, if 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 I can, if I can do the appropriate plug right now, yeah. I wouldn't have gotten through um, my experience in a timely manner yeah. without social circle. Okay. So I was able to conveniently, um, yeah. almost serendipitously, I met the founder and CEO. Her name is Danielle. Um, also a local Victoria-based marketing agency. Their name is Social Circle, mm-hmm. and. And on top of that, the same crew that I met while we had the show Cupcake Girls, ironically, unrelated, but their company Mm -hmm. is called Social Films. I approached them both because um, I needed their work to execute the marketing Mm -hmm. message and create the campaign on the platform. So they both took the jump and agreed that they would not bill me or expect any money up front until we raised the capital. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was a, it was a, a tremendous help. So mm. what really helps is having a uh, video that showcases and introduces the, the founder yep. and tells the story of you know why you're doing the campaign and who you are and what your plan is. Mm-hmm. So social films did that for did that for us, and then. Social Circle created the campaign as you see it on the platform. And mm-hmm. then I spent my time uh, uploading the documents on the data room. Right. So all of the legal, uh, the financials, and mm-hmm. all of the the growth strategy. Mm-hmm. So the three of us all worked very closely together with Front Funder team as well to execute on that. So yeah. that was a tri- that was definitely a tremendous help. Yeah, I can imagine. And I consider I consider myself so fortunate to have met Danielle at that time because yeah. um she's an entrepreneur mindset. So she really also understood what it was going to take. Yeah. And has been super supportive from day one. It's been fantastic. Yeah. So they were willing to back you because they knew you and what you were capable of and what your background was. And that's common. As you're aware, I just interviewed Susie York from um, Love Good Fats. Very similar story, like such a, a huge background in the CPG world. And, you know, she pulled the business together basically because people had confidence in her, you know, they were willing to give her funding. They were willing to back her, you know, and I think that's a common thing. Like if you've got personal equity, if you've got a personal guarantee that you can give people, it just goes so far, doesn't it? Well, you know, I believe Susie's based in Quebec. Yeah. And I would say that we kind of launched in the industry at the same time. And I've never, you know, obviously probably as a result of COVID as well. I've never actually met her in person. Like Mm. I've never seen her in person at a trade show, Mm. but I can tell you the first time I reached out to her because she's a woman and Mm. she's in CPG and she was in startup. Yeah. She replied immediately. She was like, yeah, I'll get on a phone call with you more than once. Mm -hmm. So it's, so she's, she not only, I I didn't know that her story was, was somewhat similar, Mm. but I, I believe it because of the way that she responded to me. Yeah. You know, so I responded, I reached out to her because I needed help. I needed advice. Mm -hmm. And on numerous occasions, she was there right there for me. 
yeah. um, and gave great advice and introductions. And yeah. so, yeah, I, I believe it. And um, I really, I really believe because I've had so many people be there for me that you, you must pay it forward as yeah. a thank you yeah. and as an appreciation for the people that did it for you. Yeah, I hear. It's so real. Um, okay, so the campaign itself. So if there was somebody out there, obviously you were really fortunate in that the the organizations that you were working for to help build out the campaign itself, like they gave you amazing terms because they believed in you and they knew what you were capable of. But if there was somebody out there and they were sitting on the fence and they're like, yeah, this sounds like a really great idea. I want to do this. What kind of budget do you think that they can expect to set aside to actually get launched with a campaign with a front funder for example like what do you think the spend would be up front to get going well i can just tell you what my spend was yeah um so firstly just to be on the platform that's five thousand dollars right and then front five takes a seven percent of um all the funds that are raised okay and then and then if you don't have and of course i didn't mm. um you'll have to pay extra for certain agreements yeah. Like uh, voting trust agreement, safe agreement, offering document. Um, so uh, off the top of my head, that might have been a total of, let's say, seven to $10,000 more. Right. So it's 15. Um, yeah, we're at 15. And then it cost me about seven, six to $7,000 for the video mm -hmm. and easily about $6,000 for the campaign the marketing campaign as you see it. Yeah. And um, I don't know if that was at a discount. Yeah. Um, I just know that that's what I, you know, that's the bill that I received, but yeah. I, I, I think it's totally worth it Yeah. because I understand the amount of time that was put into it. Yeah. So what did that add up to? Were you, were you just call it like, like we could like round it out to about 30, 35 K. So that's yeah, about right. Time. Yeah, yeah, but that, but again, yeah, incremental. Like ten thousand of that was yeah. put up front. Yeah, and and that's actually not the most important yeah. part of the investment. Yeah, we haven't even talked about marketing. Yeah. your campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's dig into right? it. Right. Yeah. So, so better with is a small company mm -hmm. front funder. Mm -hmm. You know what I discovered very quickly in just my own network when i was talking to people i was like yeah have you heard you know i was kind of just doing my own personal screening like have yeah. you heard of front funder we're thinking about doing this and i did a quick toll and people were very familiar with crowdfunding because of places like kickstarter yeah. and indiegogo and stuff like that but as far as like equity crowdfunding that mm -hmm. was quite a new concept for people and um and then the safe agreement was like 10% awareness for yeah. sure. So I, you know, the thing that's so fantastic about front funders, I would have these conversations with them. I'd be like, okay, can you give me examples of um, previous campaigns that did really well and um, why you think they did well? And so it came out that the information that they gave me was uh, they felt that they had spent on average 20 to $25,000 on creating awareness mm -hmm outside of front funder themselves yeah. to, to generate the attention and bring the attention right. to front funder platform. Yeah. So, so, you know, and this was, this was a, a very valuable lesson, but because most people aren't familiar with crowdfunding, the most amount of energy that I have spent in this entire time is making like my time 
and then putting it out there to educate and make people answer, be guide them and be there to answer their questions. So yeah. I am the, the, the dashboard of front funder, there's tremendous transparency. Mm-hmm. And so I actually, I, I look at that every day. And when I see new people that go on there, you get their personal information. I reach out to them. I email yeah. people. I say, look, I've noticed that you went on the platform. Um, do you, would you like to set up a phone call? Would you like to learn more? Do you have any questions? So that's my nature to be mm-hmm. so personal. So I've just kind of continued um, managing relationships that way. And more importantly, setting expectations early. Yeah. And um, I think that was, I think that's been really helpful and mm-hmm. um, part of the key to the success for sure. That's great. Yeah. Look, there's so much thought that needs to go into something like this. And one thing that comes to mind for me is that, you know, it's not only the upfront investment of getting onto the campaign it's not only the upfront investment of marketing the campaign as well but it's also you know you getting out there and investing your time and energy into it as well and getting yourself out into the spotlight and that's something that you've got such a storied history of like obviously you're on cupcake girls you've been entrepreneur and a business owner for many many years and and it's really obvious through just watching you on linkedin and instagram that your self-promotion like the way you go about it is flawless and you're such a natural in front of the camera and the microphone so the other day uh, when we had our last conversation, you know, I asked you if there was somebody out there that, you know, is hesitant to get out in front of the camera or promote their business with their own face and voice, what would you recommend? And you said they just need to get over it. And I thought, yeah, you're absolutely right. But I'd love to dig into that a little more with you as well. Like, what does it mean for you to get out there in front of the camera? And obviously, like you understand your business better than anybody else. So who else would be better to talk about your business? But like any other advice for any other entrepreneurs out there that are starting to get into it, starting to get on TikTok, starting to get out there and generate their own content? Well, let me start by saying, um, still backing up my comment, you just have to get out there. Yeah. Because every person that you see today, including me, we all started in the same place. Yeah. I, I wasn't born with a microphone in my hand, mm-hmm. right? And I am not, um, I'm not an actor and I am not necessarily, actually, I'm, I'm not that comfortable. Um, you know, this is not like my, my natural place to be doing these interviews. And yeah. I especially am challenged with virtual interviews, mm-hmm. Because I am such a touchy feely person, yeah. I would way rather be in person, present, yeah. doing stuff like this. So, like doing news segments on, um, you know, through online is is really hard for me. Mm. But I can tell you this, and I believe that anybody that you see today that has a huge following and that's like TikTok famous or whatever would say the exact same thing. We all started at the same place. The only difference is that we didn't stop. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the great thing about having a smartphone is that you can, you can be on these platforms, but you can do so much practice and you don't have to share it. Mm. Do you have any idea how many times I will do a conversation on an Instagram story, for example, and delete yeah. it. Yeah. Like this is, I'm not doing it as a one-time thing. I'm glad it's it not there. just me then. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's yeah. like, oh my God, I'll do it. And you know, some, there'll be an interruption or I'll, yeah. I'll like 
you know stumble over your words yeah i'll stumble or like yeah. I'll, I'll just say something that totally doesn't make sense and i'm like what am i doing and so yeah it's like we all are repeating i yeah. mean actors i've in the days of in the days of cupcakes when i had this super exciting job of delivering cupcakes to all these movie sets and i got to watch like yeah. some of the, the biggest TV movie actors behind the scenes, you know, it's really well known that it would take a hundred takes for them to, to do a line. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was so bored watching Matthew McConaughey and Al Pacino in two for the money. Yeah. Like it was the same scene for six hours. I was like, I'm going home. I'm going home to make my <laughs> husband dinner because this is so boring. Yeah. And, and so that was six hours in one scene of one line. Right. Like, but they you just don't couldn't see that it. as a finished product. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so it's the same thing when you are doing your own. Like, yeah. you get to decide what you're comfortable with and put yeah. it out there. Yeah. But more importantly, what happens is the more times you do it, the more, you know, it's just like anything. The, the more comfortable you get, the better you get, the less you care. So, mm. you know, um, one thing I know is... I've gotten, I, I, because I have spent more time than the average person up to date in front yep. of the camera is I definitely care less because I've realized that there's just like, you know, it doesn't really matter mm -hmm. and you need to, and I think it's really important to have humility. Yeah. I think that's so important. I am not perfect. Mm -hmm. The brand is not perfect. The purpose of better with is not to be perfect because it is a food product that is natural and there's nothing that exists in real life that is natural and perfect. It's mm. impossible mm. without being adulterated. So I've kind of taken the pressure off that way. Like I'm not wearing makeup talking to you right now. I just, <laughs> I'm, you're lucky I just had a shower, <laughs> right? And, uh, and literally diffuse my hair, but um, I'm okay with that because yeah. I've kind of created that expectation of myself. Yeah. And I think people, and, and the exciting thing was better with, because it is such a natural product is I get to finally be me. Mm -hmm. So when we had cupcake girls, I like, I don't even think I've sat through a whole episode watching yeah. it Yeah. because they put so much makeup on me that I actually didn't feel like myself. Mm -hmm. I felt very uncomfortable. And, you know, I was on a local news station that was pre-taped just last weekend and I didn't watch it. My parents were super upset that I didn't tell them because of course the minute it aired, the phone started ringing and I was like, you know, I don't watch myself. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the biggest judge of character. Right. But, um, when you get to like own, own who you are, where you're most comfortable and when you're most comfortable, that's the person that people will get to know and everything will work out and everything mm. will be okay. And it'll be easier for you to, to, to continue pushing up the message when you actually are being you. And yeah. I think that's the most powerful thing you can be. And so I, um, I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, that's so true. Isn't it? Yeah. When you're, you're real and you know, you, it's, it's just tossed around so many times, but when you're being authentic and when you're coming from a place of truth, it just, it shows, it shows in the tone of your voice. It shows in the message that you're putting out there as well. I, um, you know, getting in front of this microphone for me took quite a bit. And then I realized, like you were just saying, I had full creative control and freedom over the content that I was putting out there. So my concern and worry disappeared really quickly, but yeah, there is an element of, um, 
you know, self-criticism, especially when you hear your own voice out in the world and you're like, what is going on? Like, this is so bizarre, but yeah, the second that you decide to get out of your own way, it's amazing what magic actually happens out there. You know, it's, it's just actors, Mm. people in the industry that we kind of look up to or have become so familiar with, it took a long time for them to get there. And I think that's what social media today is, which is so interesting is Mm -hmm. it's, is it's the opposite of that. It's so raw. It's so spontaneous. Um, There's vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been, we've gotten so used to seeing anything and everything Mm -hmm. that people aren't going to judge you for being you. They just won't. What's more important is that they want to hear why you're doing what you're doing. Mm. And they want you to tell them that story yeah. and just tell the story. Yeah. Right. And um, I think, I think that's what makes being in the food space right now. So exciting is mm-hmm. that um, there's these incredibly talented, very driven CPG founders that have created and invented these amazing products that deserve to be on the shelf. And they have a great story and we want to hear it. And that's how we're going to support it. And Mm -hmm. so just, so just do it and don't get caught up in the system and in the, in the idea of what you, what you look like. Cause um, I think, I think the stuff that goes viral that creates the most traction and, you know, Erica Rankin, midday squares, they lead that parade. They've just done, I mean, half of the stuff they do is just so ridiculously awesome, but it's ridiculous, but it's like, that's what makes it so, so even sometimes awkwardly, but it makes it so profoundly powerful. Yeah. Memorable as well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, just, just own being you. We finally have the permission to be ourselves and, um, go for it. Perfect. Thank you for that. I'm going to just change gears a little bit. There's one part of the conversation that I really wanted to have with you, and that was the persona of the brand that you've built him better with. So you've got the eggshell blue, you've got the gold. I want to hear about the evolution in your mind and the vision that you had for better with before it was even down on paper, what the brand looked like. It's very first version of the brand, where you are right now and what you envisage for the future. So my contribution, aside from creating the recipe and scaling the recipe were the, the gold and the teal. Mm -hmm. So gourmet warehouse uh, is a fantastic, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it on, um, I guess it's technically East Hastings. Yeah. I was going to say down that way. Yep. 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 Um, I bought a really nice frying pan from there the other day. It's 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 awesome. Fabulous, (laughs) fabulous story. Everyone needs to do like Christmas shopping in there. Yeah. So I went in there to see, in the very early stages of what brands caught my attention on the shelf. And again, mm-hmm. keep in mind, I didn't come from CPG, but I am a very brand conscious, conscious. Yeah. I have a hard time saying that word consumer. So I definitely will be influenced by how product pops off the shelf. There was a beautiful Portuguese tin olive oil brand that had gold on it that to me represented premium and it stood out, it really popped off the shelf. And then in a different aisle, the same teal Pantone that we used on our packaging was an Italian pasta line. Mm. And so, and it, you could really visually see it. And so I col- I bought these items at Gourmet Warehouse and I went to my first designer and I gave them that box as 
inspiration. Yeah. And I explained why. And I said, I think this gold represents premium. I think this teal really represents freshness. It's vibrant, but it also somewhat subconsciously represents frozen. Mm-hmm. And then for the rest of the packaging design, I wanted it to emulate clean and simple. Um, if you, I was spending a lot of time studying the frozen aisle at that time. Yeah. And I really felt that the entire category was cluttered. There was a lot of noise. And so how I wanted better with to stand out is I wanted the outside design to really reflect on the product. Mm-hmm. And when I see, when I say simple and clean, simple ingredients, clean deck. Yeah. And, um, and that was, that was the beginning of the evolution of what it is today. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Back in Australia, a lot of Australians may be familiar with it, but there is a beautiful old antique bushels tea tin and it's got that beautiful teal and gold color and it's got some Australian animals on it as well. I've got a, I've got two of them actually and we keep them up on our shelf with all of our other tins that we that we love in our What's house as well. It's a bushels tea tin and I'll send you a photo and I'll put a link up Please. in the show notes as well. But yeah, it's beautiful, but it's got animals on it. It's like got Australian, it's got a kookaburra, a kangaroo, a koala and maybe an emu. Yeah, it's got an emu on the back. And uh, it, it reminds me of that in a lot of ways, just due to the nature of the color palette. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. I, um, I'm really a, a very classic natured person. Mm. So my, just in my, my preference for taste. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really proud of those two color discoveries because mm. I feel that even though that was years ago that I kind of fell in love with those two colors, I yeah. still love those colors. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't feel that they need to change. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I still think that they represent the product and what we're doing really well. Yeah. It's not as if it's a color that's going to go, you know, um, it's not an on-trend color scheme in that it's going to go out of fashion quickly. I feel as if it's going to stick around forever. And one thing that I did want to point out to you is the other day when I did go grocery shopping, I did find some better with in the frozen aisle. And it was so obvious that it was there because you could see it a mile down. Like you just had to sort of just scan for the color and you could find it. So I just wanted to let you know that it worked. Like it absolutely works. Okay. But, and I'm just going to correct you on this. Yeah because this is really important for any um, startup entrepreneur that's about to design a product. Yeah. You were looking for it. I was. Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah. So what I discovered is, so the packaging is, is very, you know, and I think I said this in the first time I thought I could make the world's best ice cream Mm -hmm. and have this beautiful and, and invest in this beautiful pack design. And that would be enough. And so, and it's beautiful and it does stand out. And thank you for that. And yeah. thank you for, thank you for buying, you know, it was the chocolate. It was delicious. The kids loved family. it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> thank you for that. It means, it means a lot, no but worries. what I'm trying to communicate is that if you're not looking for it, you don't see it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure before we met, you'd bought ice cream for your family. Yeah. And you'd walked the frozen aisle before and mm-hmm. it, you hadn't noticed it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just like this last week where I did this um, interview on local Sunday night news and I received this flood of, you know, emails and stuff, every single person that emailed me, A, they all love ice cream, B, they support local, they're they're totally into that. Not one of them had ever seen Better With. 
And then, uh, you know, I would talk to them. I actually follow up and talk to them. And then they were sending me photos while they were in their neighborhood grocery store and better with be like front and center. I'm like, but you never noticed that before. Yeah, Cause bizarre, they're like, Oh, there it? it is. I can see it. And I'm like, yes, you can see it. Cause you're looking for it. Yeah. But this is why we're doing front funder mm. is we need to raise money so that half of that spend goes towards marketing. And what's really important is that you, when you're building out a CPG product as a startup, you need money to make that brand like bomb- you need to bombard the customer. Yeah. So I sadly received some bad advice when I started because I was looking for industry experts. Mm. I was connecting with industry experts that were advising me. And that was a huge mistake because they had worked for very big companies that started many decades ago. And many dairy companies actually don't have or believe in marketing. And they didn't really understand that because they started so long ago when there was no competition, they didn't need to do marketing. Mm. And so within the culture of that organization, marketing was not something that they were investing any money or attention into. Yeah. And really today in the world that we live in, every we're, we're bombarded with marketing all day. And if, if anything, like just marketing isn't enough, right? Mm-hmm. You need to just do something that's, so ridiculously over the top. I mean, I just posted a thing on LinkedIn of like me sitting on a toilet. I saw people that. Yeah, are, it's hilarious. People yeah. are giving me a hard time. And I'm like, but it's getting, but you're, but you're reacting. Yeah. Like that's the whole point. Yeah. It yeah. might be weird. Like, why am I sitting on a toilet? But I'm like, I'm like, but it's you're getting- hiding so that you can have a snack of ice cream and no one else knows that you're there. Like I totally got it. Yeah. You, you get it. Yeah. There I got are it. some people that are like, why are you taking a picture? And I'm like, because I need to do stuff so ridiculous yeah. with the small marketing budget that we have yep. to get your attention. Yeah, That's what it takes when you have a very small marketing budget. So mm-hmm. understand for all the people that are ramping up and starting these CPG brands, you have to spend money on PR or do it yourself really well. You have to do your own TikTok. You have to do your own social media to and just to stand out yeah. to gain that traction because um most likely in grocery you're in a category that is owned by the biggest companies in the world mm-hmm. that are as old as you are mm-hmm. and they have massive marketing dollars that are just that you know they have been subconsciously and consciously marketing to us for most of our lives yeah yeah and, and that is a very big difference. And, mm. um, and so I, I really learned that the hard way. And now that I know that I'm really pumped to go forward with a really different and really strong marketing strategy. I'm excited to see what you come up with over the next 12 months as well. That's really cool. How far forward are you, um, are you looking with your marketing campaigns? So right now, um, it, because of the money that we're raising, yep. it's a year, it's a year to 14 months in advance yep. because we, because we are so small and we can only raise so much. Yep. And then it's like, okay, this, this much is going to get us out of the death funnel. Then we're going to have to raise again in yep. 12 months to 14 months. And yep. then we'll hopefully this marketing strategy will be effective and yep. we'll be able to continue doing that. Or yep. we're going to have to make some changes. Adjustments, but the great yeah. thing when you are under a million dollars in sales mm-hmm. Everything is an experiment. Yeah. Your packaging design as it is today could change. And you need to be really flexible to make sure that you're spending most of your time 
gathering information about what your customer is saying about your product, mm -hmm. why they're pulling your product. The customer really determines what is going to move on that shelf. If mm -hmm. it's going to be your product or your comp competitors, what's the difference? Mm -hmm. And you need, you really need to pay attention to that and change accordingly. Awesome, Larry. You have just provided us with all of the insights that I had wanted to pull out of you today. I, you've checked all the boxes. I have a list of the things that I wanted to discuss with you and we've covered all of them. So thank you so much for your time. I'm not too sure how I'm going to select a soundbite to put out onto social media because there are so many soundbites from you today. So thank you very much. It's been very much appreciated. I, I really enjoy having these interviews with you. I think we just like, you know, shoot the shit. It's nice. It's it is fun. nice. Maybe we should tee another one up for six months time. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Yeah, actually, we'll we'll do some. Why don't you and I do some fun TikToks together? We'll Let's do, do like TikTok one hundred and one training. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get it out there. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you. you. Bye. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into today's episode. I would like to briefly mention Foodpack and Futurepreneur Canada, our two show sponsors. Head on down to the show notes and click on the link and have a look on their websites. They both have an enormous amount of value that they can bring into your lives and businesses. Um, two things before we leave, please leave a rating or review. That would mean the absolute world to me. I can also be contacted if you've got any questions at Hayden at thepackofypodcast.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Instagram. Thanks a lot. See you next week.